0: to even thinking about dying right and i think that's because there's something in us god has put some he's put eternity in our hearts right and so there is this natural inclination within us to want to avoid physical death but also because of our nature as sinners we also want to avoid like different types of spiritual death not like like, we want to avoid, I, I don't necessarily want to self-sacrifice. I don't necessarily want to empty myself and lay down my life like mm-hmm. Jesus did, right? kind of want to avoid that within my sinful self. Mm-hmm. So to go back and kind of understand a little bit of the roots of why that's so ingrained in us, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning. And I have a series of about three passages that I'm going to read in succession here from Genesis. <clears throat> And some of the language here is semi redundant throughout scripture. I'm, and I'm kind of like a word freak. Like I love when there's imagery and metaphor and things like that. So we're going to see some of that today. And God said, This is when He's creating the world. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation. Plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Can you bring up the... Thank you. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Slice and swallow a seed, a watermelon will grow in your belly. I read a news article one time about this man who began having trouble breathing, and he was like, I really am having so much trouble, he had to go to the hospital. Sure enough, they do the scans, and there's a growth in his lungs, and he's thinking, "I, I definitely have cancer, you know. And they go and do the necessary procedure, remove the growth from his lungs, and guess what? It's a pea plant. Because he, when he was eating his dinner one evening, inhaled a pea, and it started to sprout and grow oh, in his lungs. right? Very unusual, okay? so please don't like walk away with a spirit of fear, but this actually happened to somebody. And it's a useful picture because when God created the world, he said, I'm creating all these different trees, and each tree will bear its fruit, and within the fruit is the seed of that type of tree. And here Adam and Eve go, and they take from the fruit of the forbidden tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they eat of that fruit, mm-hmm. which is bearing the seed of that thing that is now in them. Okay, and it changes them. And it says, the knowledge of good and evil is the name of this tree, and then they knew they were naked. And this this Hebrew word for knowledge is yada. If you read further on, it talks about Adam knew Eve his wife and from that knowledge someone is born Cain is born Okay, it's the exact same word yada so this, this knowing that Adam and Eve are experiencing as they take in this knowledge of, of evil and good is much deeper than just a cognitive knowing it's this intimate experiential thing that changes reality that brings new things into being So where their nature had originally been designed in all these things of God, in the image of God of goodness and lacking anything that was bad or evil, now their nature has changed because they've taken in this thing, this seed that has produced in them something wholly different than what God intended. And so they're corrupted. But, you know, we can look around and we can see, okay, people who don't know God, who are far from God, have this sin nature we're all kind of born into this we don't really have a choice it's a fact we're sinners we will sin but there's still in all of us a remnant of the image of god of that goodness where we have the choice to do something good somebody far from god who doesn't know him at all can still Exhibit compassion and kindness and these remnants of God's goodness, right? So even though the overarching nature in our souls at birth might be sin, there's a remnant of God's goodness. And when I read these Genesis accounts when I was younger, you know, sometimes I think that I wasn't taught wrong. I just inferred wrong. I just understood things in a wrong way. And it was misguided or maybe it was even the enemy, But as I went on to read in Genesis when I was younger, I would read in Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. I don't have a slide for this, sorry. But it says, after Adam and Eve sinned, God the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit having this conversation. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand. And take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So when I read this as a young person, I would just be like, Wow. This this God is punishing them, man. For real, He is punishing them. He has cast them out of this garden, and now He's set this like angel of death guy to like guard the way, so they can't get back to the tree of life. And God is so many things, and one of the things is justice, right? He He's a just God. It would be wholly unjust for Adam and Eve to disobey His law, to turn away from Him, to break communion with Him, to eat this fruit from the forbidden tree, and then turn around and eat the fruit that would give them life, right? It would be so unjust. And so in his justice, God is making this an impossibility for them. But it's not just his justice, because I'm convinced that God does not want us to experience death apart from his goodness. If they were able to turn and eat of that tree of life, they wouldn't have experienced life with god's goodness and that's not life at all life without god's goodness is not life at all and that's not what he wanted for them he said if you're going to experience this death that you by the way chose i want you to experience this whole process in my goodness and that's why he prevent prevented them from taking of this tree of life right so He has this ultimate plan, right? He foretells his ultimate plan, even when he's telling Adam and Eve the consequences of their sin. He foretells that there will be a Savior through the birth by a woman, and that that Savior would crush the head of the serpent, right? So he has this plan, and this is something very revealing about the character of God because he's foretelling something that would happen years in the future after all kinds of mess, and brokenness, and hardship, and consequences, he could have, I'm sure, in his wisdom, found a way to fix everything right then, right? Like, we want immediate fixes. We want things to be made right rather quickly in life, right? But that's not God. He has so much patience and forbearance, and he's so much wiser than us, that he waited a couple thousand years Before, the ultimate manifestation of his goodness in Jesus came, right? And so this promise is fulfilled. Jesus is sent to live this perfect life that we can't live, that Adam and Eve obviously didn't live. And he died as a substitute for us. He took all of that punishment for all of our sin. And then he rose from the dead and conquered all of this and we're invited into that and those of us who have said yes Jesus be a part of my life I follow you you're my savior I repent forgive me we walk in newness right in the moment where we invite Christ into our lives our nature shifts back what had been done when sin was introduced and our natures were totally corrupted when we accept Christ and the spirit enters our life our nature shifts again where now we're not ruled by sin, is actually we're marked by the goodness of God and his spirit in our lives, but there's still a remnant of this old person and this remnant of our sinful tendencies. And sometimes we lean into that more than we should. And so when when I was reading, I found in 1 John 3, verse 9, it says this, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he is born born of God. Now, this can be a little bit complicated um, because we know in experience that even as children of God, we absolutely can sin. But what this is really expressing when it says we cannot continue sinning is that Christians and Jesus followers are not characterized by a life of sin even though we do still sin. And I just love that this picture of God's seed abiding in us is part of what he's saying here. It's like, this is that picture of the renewal that we experience through the seed of Jesus Christ. It's abiding within us, and it's changing our nature. And even though the old still remains, in a way, our palette shifts You know, have you guys ever, maybe I'm the only weird person who's done this, but have you ever brushed your teeth and then shortly thereafter drank orange juice? It's awful, right? It's like raw (laughs) worse. Orange juice is fantastic, but if you have recently brushed your teeth, it is so bitter. And I think that is really a good kind of description of what it's like when we follow Jesus. It's like having just brushed your teeth. And this thing that used to taste so good, Mm. when you taste it, it has this bitter after effect, where it's like, it's not satisfying like it once was, you know? Mm. Um, (laughs) Okay, but we still have this conflict with our old man, right? Even though it's like, oh, it doesn't taste good, sometimes we're drawn to this aspect of our sin nature and jesus actually invites us into choosing against that nature right so in john chapter 12 verse 24 he says he's talking about himself and his death he says truly truly i say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies it remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit so he's saying i'm choosing to die for you and because of that you will receive life and many, many others will receive life. And the same is true when we walk in Jesus' footsteps and follow in his footsteps. We have the ability to choose something that we would normally really avoid. We have the ability to go low, to choose to empty ourselves, and to choose against our sin nature, to choose to die to it. And then from that place he promises to produce life, it's the same idea of God does not want us to experience death apart from his goodness. That if we experience death in him, surely his goodness is there also. Um, and some of us can probably relate to this feeling simplified. Like choosing to not sin actually feels kind of simplified. Some people can probably relate to the feeling that like it doesn't always feel like a choice to not sin. right? Um, if you have ever experienced something like an addiction or an actual addiction or been near somebody who has an addiction, sometimes it doesn't really feel like a choice that people are capable of making. There's some verses that were really encouraging to me regarding this aspect of dying to self. It's in John chapter 8, verse 31 to 36. Jesus um, is talking to his followers, and he said, oh, can you start at verse 31, please? Hmm, okay. So verse 31 says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, "If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Uh, you're good. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free." They answered him, "We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free?" Hmm. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So this picture of slavery and sin, I think is, is really relatable to many of us. Um, and like I said, I think we can relate to this aspect of we want quick fixes, right? We want things to be made right, kind of in a hurry. And even in ourselves, like we get impatient with ourselves. Well, why am I still struggling with this, right? But in this passage, um, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And this word abide gives this implication of over time, right? This aspect of drawing near to him consistently over time produces a shift in us. And in that is the release of the idea that like, if God was so patient to send Jesus as a remedy for sin, if he was so willing to endure all of the mess and the sin of the ages until Jesus came, how will he not also be patient with us? in our shorter lifespans and the way that we abide with him, even in the midst of not getting it right yet, right? Um, There's something about this, this um, abiding in my word. You will know the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So you will know the truth and you also know Jesus because he is the truth. But here we go again with the words, this word you will know, you will know the truth. It's, we're in Greek now, so it's a different no than the one that we looked at in the Old Testament. But guess what? Uh, it, it still carries the same weight because in the beginning of the New Testament, it talks about oh, Joseph didn't know his wife Mary until after Jesus was born. The exact same word in Greek as here. So there's, again, this deep. You will experientially, deeply, intimately know the truth. Experientially, deeply, intimately know Jesus. And you will receive freedom in that place. There's an element of slavery, too, that when I think about it, oh man, it's it's just this oppression, you know, where people are powerless, right? Right? But when it comes to spiritual freedom, spiritual slavery, if we are in Christ, we are not powerless. Okay, so there is an option to choose freedom. I was in a place recently, a worship setting, where um, I was serving as a prayer minister with a team of prayer ministers and was invited to pray with a woman who appeared to be demonstrating like some demonic oppression. And as I was praying blessing over her, trying to discern quite what was happening, an older woman came up to me and said, "Um, I've just been listening to the Lord. I've been nearby, and I've been listening to the Lord. And I felt like he said that right here there's this this certain type of spirit, and she named it. And she said, and this spirit was born out of disappointment in this woman's life. And I said, okay, okay. my friend who was serving with me said, would you be willing to come to the prayer room, which was set up for, for the privacy and dignity of prayer you know, over people, would you be willing to come there and share this word with this woman? And she said, yes. So I approached the woman we'd been praying over, and I said, there's a woman here who has a word from the Lord for you. Would you be willing to come to the prayer room to receive it? And she said, well, I just want to stay here with Jesus. And that's sweet. But I said, Jesus is—he's also in the prayer room—and she said, "No, I, I don't want to go." And—and and it, in that is this picture of choosing freedom. We have the ability to choose, to—to to agree with God for our freedom. And in that place, she wasn't—it was maybe it just wasn't the time. She wasn't able to, or just chose not to step into freedom in that moment. So. Uh, there's a partnership that we have with God in this, right? As we look at dying to ourselves in the big and the small ways, in the sins that we just feel trapped in, or even in the passive sins, like not loving somebody more than we love ourselves, right? Um, in those places, we can partner with God and with Jesus in this intimate, deep, I know you way that eventually will set us free and help us overcome. Um There's another slide here. Uh, This is, is, I think, one of the big keys that we really hit on this morning um, that God wants to show us. is his love for us, you know. Um, He doesn't want us to experience death and brokenness and all of the pain of life apart from his goodness. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 19, it says this. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth, and to them know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. His love is really the thing that changes us, um, something that I was really out of touch with, you know, when I was younger, and I believed the truth of the scriptures, and I believed that Jesus had saved me, was really out of touch with his love. But here it describes a love that he has for us that surpasses knowledge. So it's very clearly drawing this distinction, like distinction, that you can't comprehend this love. It's so big that you you literally cannot comprehend it. And so he's praying for the power of the spirit to dwell within us so that we can comprehend it, right? Um, and I think this is so necessary because many times, because of our broken life experiences, we may be loved and struggle to have the ability to actually receive that love, right? Um. A friend was telling me about their rescue puppy. It's a dog. And um, really sweet, sweet dog. Just, just a really loving, gentle dog. And she was telling me that they believed that it had not really experienced freedom. That maybe it had been kept in a crate for a couple years and just been used to have puppies. And, and, and there is something really innate about love that's built into us and built into God's creation, right? Because that's who he is. And so after having rescued this dog um, through nourishing this dog with love, things that would have in the beginning sparked fear in, in her, sparked lack of trust in her, triggered some of these things from past neglect or abuse, some of those things over time with love were healed. And don't manifest in the same way anymore. But um, one of the things that really broke my heart for this pup was when she said, she doesn't know how to play. I think about my dog at home, and I know this is innate in dogs. Like, they just want to play. It will drive you crazy how much they want to play. But there was a level of brokenness in, in this creature of the Lord's that wasn't yet able to experience something that was so innate. You know, and and my feeling is that well, God is going to restore that. Like it's just the nature of His love pouring through His people that maybe one day this couple will learn how to play and receive like that joy that's innate in them, right? And I think what a picture that is for us too, because in our lives we experience these things either through our own doing or the doings of others or just how life unfolds, where brokenness or death or um, neglect or abuse, different things that we experience kind of break something in us where it's hard to receive love and even where we can't quite be what God created us to be until His love comes in and restores that. And that's His intention for each of us in every one of those broken places that His love would come into that place and begin to heal, restore, and nourish over time. Back to what he had in mind when he created us. Um, This love is so intimate in this Ephesians passage, guys. Again, the Lord is redundant. Uh, He wants us to know the love of Christ, that same word, in a really, really deep way. And eventually, if you know it like this, you can be filled with all the fullness of God. Can you even imagine? how transformative that is. Um, I had this experience last summer where I had just kind of a rough couple weeks, you know, and it was really hard. I was kind of emotionally broken down. And I was on staff here and we had a staff meeting and we were in this room worshiping and... I don't even think I was singing. I think I was just kind of receiving in that moment. And I just was praying to the Lord. I was like, God, I just really need to be with you. Like, with you. Like, can I walk with you? I want to be with you like Adam and Eve were with you in the garden. No barriers. Face-to-face. Intimate conversation. Just even in silence. I just really want to be with you. I want to walk with you.
1: And later that day,
0: some of you have probably heard this story. Later that day, we were out here in the streets. And we were doing just street presents. And kind of just following where the Lord led. Praying with people as we were um, permitted. And came across this woman that's a neighbor of John Weber's. And a group of us were praying with her, and we were holding hands in a circle on the street praying over this woman. And suddenly I felt somebody grasp my hand and unlink it from the person next to me. And I look over, and there's this large man, shirtless, with like a, a woman in a pit bull, and they're just joining the circle. Just in they come. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> heart's not here but he stewarded that so well like he just kept praying whatever was on his heart and eventually said something like Lord would you bless our new friends <laughs> what are your names and, and the guy who had originally broken into the group said my name is Enoch wow. and I was like wow. <laughs> <laughs> because you know I've never, I don't think I've ever met an Enoch in my life you know, walking well, with God, right? I was like, Lord, you love me. Wow, you really love me, you know? Um, those are the things that God wants to pour out into us. That is the goodness he wants to experience as we die. Just because of this messy world, we're dying right now, right? As we die, he wants us to experience his goodness. And you guys, God is so beautiful. Um, In Revelation 22, verse 2, chapter 2 and 22, where it's all together here, we're going to read this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life. It's his goodness, you guys. He wants to give it to us in his goodness. And I love how the leaves of this tree are for the healing of the nations. Like, just think about it. What? Thank you, God. So I think God just wants to give us some of that goodness today. He wants to pour out his love and his goodness into the places of our lives where it feels like death or brokenness, past wounds. That are in their various stages of healing. God is pouring his goodness into those places. He wants us to experience new freedom. From places we haven't yet conquered, even places we might not be aware of in our lives, where he's like, I want to create freedom, it's my goodness. It's not because you're not good enough for me. It's because I love you.